So church, do we have any competitive people out there today? Anybody who likes to compete, likes to play games, likes to play sports, likes to whatever it is, likes to make it a competition? I'm certainly that way. Um, I, I think nobody likes to lose when you do those things. Everybody wants to win. And uh, my, my wife, she'll tell you that, that me and, and my kids, and especially my daughter, we're, we're very competitive. It doesn't matter whether it's cards or a board game or sports or whatever it is. We're just so competitive with each other. We like to poke fun at each other. And just it's all about trying to win within the rules. And um, sometimes we get to the point where my wife doesn't even like playing with us because we're just way too competitive for the way she is. And it's the same thing with the staff here. I mean, we're working with the staff. I mean, we, we like to have fun. We, we like to compete around things. I know Mark's talked to you guys be, before about the chairs and, and, and who can carry the most and uh, just that side of things. Even when we set these chairs up, we have these long tape measures that, that we stretch out that, that give us the, the rows and things like that. We have races to see who can roll up the tape measure the quickest. So no matter what we do, we, it it's always seems like it's a competition. And, and, and it's just like because we like to compete. We, we like to have fun. And I think we, we can do that. For most people, it, it's about winning or losing. But for me, it's about competing. It, it's about the competition itself. I, I like the, the strategy of the game. I, I like, okay, how, how can I make my next move? I, I, I like the coach. Uh, I mean, when my kids were growing up, I, I, I liked the coach. And I think I enjoyed that even more than, than playing the games. And it's just the strategy. I like to problem solve. It's like, and I can give somebody else credit for a good move. When doing basketball games, the other coach would change an offense or a defense, and it would be a good play, and I'd have to figure out how to counteract that with the kids that I was coaching. And I just like to look at situations and think, okay, how can I, how can I change this? How can I make it better? How can I overcome the situation I'm in? How can I help? And that's the way I really like to look at things, and that's part of that competition. In the Bible, it refers to the competition, the Christian life as a competition. It refers to it as a battle, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Ephesians 6, verses 11 and 12, if you look at that with me, it tells us this. It says, to put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For... For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We're in a battle, every one of us. A battle, it might be different for each one of us, but we're all still in a battle. Maybe for you, maybe it's a financial battle. Maybe you're struggling financially and you're not sure what to do there. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's a spiritual battle. Maybe, maybe you're struggling trusting God, and maybe that's where you're at right now. Maybe it's a, an addiction. Maybe it's drugs or alcohol or, or pornography. Maybe it's an addiction to something that you're struggling with. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe, maybe your battle is with relationships, with family or, or friends or something going on there. Maybe your battle is against apathy. Maybe you just like to show up and not do anything. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's unforgiveness. 
Maybe it's something medical. Maybe you got something going on, a, a disease or a sickness or something that you don't know how to deal with. You're not quite sure how to get through it. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. Maybe somebody's passed away and you don't understand. You want more time. But we're all in, we're all in a battle. And each one of us, it's different for us. But what I want to talk about today is the strategy that we can use for every one of us to fight those battles, no matter what you have going on. And I want to look at seven principles that we can use to be able to help us fight these spiritual battles. Most of our text today is going to come from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. But before we get into that, I want to give you a little bit of background around that. So this is an Old Testament story about Jehoshaphat. He was the king of Israel. And he just found out that there was going to be three nations that were coming against him and his people of Israel to create war against them. He had the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Meunites. They were all coming against him and Israel. So it was three on one. When you think about that, that can be pretty overwhelming when you get three people coming after you at once. So if we jump into the stories and we look at 2 Chronicles Chapter 20, verses 1 and 2, we're going to start there. It says this. It says, After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Meunites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army from Edom is marching against you and beyond the Dead Sea. I think the first thing we have to do in any battle is we have to identify who our enemy is. That might seem simple to you, because if we're having a struggle with money, we think that money is our enemy. If we're having a struggle with addiction, we think the drugs or the alcohol is our enemy. If we're having a struggle in relationships, we think the people that we're struggling with are our enemy. Too many times we misidentify who our enemy is. We begin to mistrust people, the people that want to help us in every one of those situations. But what causes this? What causes this distrust? What causes us to misidentify our enemy? It's Satan. Because Satan is our true enemy. And Satan comes in, in, in many forms. He comes in and he tries to, to confuse us about who our enemy is. He comes and tries to disguise himself in all these different ways to try to make all these things that we're going through seem like those are our true enemy. But Jehoshaphat, he knew who his enemy was. And when he knew that those three armies were coming against him, how did it react? Let's look at verse 3. It says this. It says, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everything in Judah to begin, everyone in Judah to begin fasting. He said he was terrified. Other translations said he feared. He was scared. He was alarmed. He was afraid. And I think this is a natural reaction. If you think about that, just for yourself, if you knew there was three people outside that were going to attack you whenever you left here, you'd probably be pretty concerned about that. And I think that's just a natural reaction for us to, to be that way. But what we have to be careful of when we, do, when we, when we face those fears is it brings us to our second principle, which is this. It's don't be driven by emotion. Jehoshaphat, he was terrified, but he didn't let fear overwhelm him. He didn't let fear stop him from what he was called to do. 
So many times we let our emotions paralyze us. We get in situations where we're not sure what to do. We're fighting the battle. We feel like everything's coming against us. And we're stuck right where we're at. We get to the point where our emotions overwhelm us so much that we can't move forward. We can't continue to, to go on and get through the battle. But that's what we're called to do. That's what, what we have to do. We let for, fear and worry keep us from moving forward. We let fear and worry keep us from doing what God is calling us to do. If you look with me at 2 Timothy verse 1, chapter, or chapter 1, verse 7, it says this. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. It's not God that gives us fear. It's Satan. Satan is the enemy. But when we let fear go unchecked, when we don't do anything about that, when we don't turn to God and receive the power for him to get over that fear, a lot of times that fear, it can lead to anger. Then what happens is we, we get mad, we get angry, we get furious. That's, that's the emotions that we let overwhelm us when we don't deal with the fear. And when we do that, it comes to the point that we, it just builds up and builds up until we explode. And when we do that, we create emotional casualties all around us. We hurt the people that are trying to help us. God can do anything, but he also puts people in our place around us that can help us with those things. The people that are very people that are trying to help, those become the emotional casualties whenever we explode. If we look at James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, it tells us this. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. We're all emotional people. God created us that way. God gave us emotions because he wants us to have them. But we can't let our emotions get the best of us. Emotions are natural, but it's our reaction that we have when we feel those emotions is what we have to be able to control. So what do we need to do to be able to do that? We need to do the next principle, and that's to take our problems to the Lord. We go back to 2 Chronicles, and if we look at verse 3 again, it says in there that he begged the Lord for guidance, and he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. When Jehoshaphat learned that three nations were coming after him, what did he do? He went to God. Lord, I need your help. God, I need you. That's what we need to do when we face the battles that we face every day. The first thing we need to do is we need to take those battles to God. We need to go to him in prayer. This should be our first thought. This should be our first thought every time we're in one of those battles. Every time something happens and we're struggling with knowing what to do, what we need to do is we need to go to God in prayer. So many times we want to handle that situation on our own. We want to do what we think's best. We want to do what we want to do. And then when that doesn't work, we say, well, there's nothing left to do but pray. That should be our first thought, is going to God in prayer. Too often, though, it is our last resort. 
But Jehoshaphat, he understood what he needed to do. He understood that he needed God's help. When he was praying, that, that was in, in verses 6 through 12, what I want to do is I, I kind of want to paraphrase what, what he said there and, and take the meaning out of it. Because what he said is he said, God, I know you've helped me in the past. God, I know that you've helped me, that you will help me in the future. So please, help me right now, God. Please take care of my enemies. I'm powerless against them. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are focused on you. That's where our eyes need to be. We need to be focused on God. So often, prayer is the last thing that we do because we don't like to ask for help, which leads us to our fourth principle, and that is we need to admit that we need help. We'll go back to 2 Chronicles, and we look at verse 12. It says this, it says, Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. God, help me. Won't you stop them? I can't do anything without you. I'm powerless. I need your help. Do we pray that way? So many times we, we need to make sure that we're, we're taking our problems to the Lord. We want to handle things on our own. We, we think we know what's best. When I think about back to my, my coaching days, when I used to coach, I used to watch other coaches. I used to watch the things that they did. I could appreciate what they taught their kids to be able to do. And what I learned is I didn't know everything about coaching. What I learned is I didn't know much about coaching when I first started out. But I would watch other people. I, I would watch and I would learn. And I realized that when I asked for help, when I would seek help from other coaches and other people, I would then be able to learn. I would then be able to accomplish the goals that I had. I realized that I could learn more from watching somebody else and, and learning those things. But sometimes it's hard for us to admit that we need help because we feel like we're admitting our inadequacies. And, but what stops us from asking for help? I think a lot of times what stops us is pride. If you look with me at James 4, verse 6, it tells us this. It says, in the same way, faith, if not, or wait a second, James 4, 6. Let me turn one more page. There we go. It says, and he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If we need, we need God's power. We need God's grace. God's willing to help, but we have to be willing to ask. If we're too proud to ask for God's help, then he's not going to give it to us. The Bible tells us that. But then when we do ask, we need to rely on God's power. And that's our fifth principle, is to rely on that power. If we go back and look at verse 12 again, back in 2 Chronicles The very end of that, it says, but we are looking to you for help. Jehoshaphat, he knew where that power was coming from. It was coming from God. 
and he, and he knew that, and that's what he needed. So many times we get focused on what is going on instead of what God is going to do. We get focused in on our circumstances. We get focused in what's going on in our lives, and we lose sight of what God is doing in our lives, what God is going to do for us. Our eyes are focused on everything else instead of the one that can solve our problems. Yeah. You ever heard the phrase, God helps those that help themselves? First off, that's not scriptural. But what is more scriptural is God helps those that are helpless. When we can't do it on our own, that's when God will help us. Think about what Romans 5.8, if you look at that with me, what it tells us about our salvation. It says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were helpless, while we had no power, while we were still sinners, God sent his son Jesus to die for us. We had no power. We couldn't fight a battle to win salvation. We still can't fight a battle to win salvation. That salvation, it's a gift from God. It's the power from God that we have to have to have salvation. He, he did that for us while we were helpless, while we were sin, sinful. We are still sinful, but while we are we're sinners, he, he sent Jesus here for us. All we have to do is we have to accept that gift. We have to accept what Jesus did for us and accept that power that God gives us to have salvation. So does this mean in all our situations that we don't need to do anything? No, it doesn't mean that. Let's look at verse 17, what God told Jehoshaphat and his people there. It says this, it says, but you will not even need to fight. Take your position, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. God tells them, they're not going to have to fight, but here's what you need to do. You need to get ready. You need to go out. You need to, be, need to be where I tell you you need to be. You need to do the things that I'm asking you to do. God says, I'm going to fight the battle for you, but this is your part. This is where you need to be. They were called to have faith and do what God commanded them to do. Just like when we had faith in Jesus, we were powerless then. We're called to have that same faith now. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't do anything. I'm not saying that we shouldn't try. We need to give our best effort. We're, we're called to do the things that, that God calls us to do. Colossians 2.6 says this, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Just as we had faith in Jesus when we accept, accepted him as our Savior, we need to have that same faith and follow him now. He's going to see us through the battles that we're in. We need to seek out what God wants us to do. 
in our own personal battles, God is going to fight for us. But God will also give us the power to do things, the things that he wants us to do. God wants us to have faith in him. He he wants us to, to know that he's going to fight our battles, but he also wants to call us into action. James 2.17 says this, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. When we ask God for help, that means that we're also willing to do our part. If I ask you to help me move a refrigerator this afternoon, and all I did was sit and watch you move it, I'm not helping. So when I ask for help, It means that I'm willing to participate. I'm willing to do what I can. I'm willing to do my part. God's going to fight the battle, but he's also going to ask us to do our our part of that as well. I read once that our circumstances are like a mattress. If we're on top of them, we rest easy. But if we're underneath, then we might suffocate. If we keep our eyes on the Lord, we're going to stay on top of our circumstances. Too often we lose sight of him and we get buried by the things that we have going on. The next principle that we need to do is we need to relax in faith. Let's look at verse 15 back in 2 Chronicles. says this, he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says, do not be afraid, don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. God says it's my battle to fight, not yours. So many Christians today, we're worn out because we try to fight God's battles with our own power. We tell God the things that we're going to do for him. We tell God the battles that we're going to go and, and fight for him. We, we, we do the things we can in our own power. And so many times when we do that, we don't succeed because it's not God's power. It's ours that we're trying to use. And when we don't succeed, we, we feel like we, we're disappointed God, like we've let him down. And I'm here to tell you, we don't disappoint God because we were never holding him up. So we can't let him down. It's his power that wins all these battles. We need to trust God, but we also need to be willing to do things his way. If we look at John chapter 15, verse 5, it says this. It says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When we try to do things outside of God's way, we're helpless. We can't do it. We can't get the things done that we need to be able to get done. We can't win the battle without God's power. And the final principle that I want to talk about is we need to thank God in advance. We'll go back to 2 Chronicles one more time. Verse 17 tells them that they're about to go out and face their enemy. It says this, it says, but you will not even need to fight. Take your position, 
Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. So he told them, you're getting ready to go. This is where I want you to go to. And what did they do to get ready? Let's look at verses 18 and 19. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to, be, stood to praise the Lord and God of Israel with a very loud shout. In verse 21 it says, After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for the holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. So I want you to think about that. They're getting ready to go out and face these three armies. But God told them, you're not going to have to fight. It's my battle. Most of the time when we're getting ready to go to battle, we want to put our warriors out front. We want to put the people out there that we know can fight, the people that we think are going to protect us. But God says, you don't have to do that. I'm going to fight your battle. So what they did is they praised God. They put their singers out in front as they went out. The people that were going to be there to be able to sing, sing to God and praise him. Do we have that kind of faith in God? Do we believe that when we follow God's plan that he's going to provide for us? Do we thank him in advance for the outcome before it even happens. But here's the thing too, are we willing to accept that the outcome might be different than what we think it should be? Because it's God's battle. God knows what's best for us. That outcome might not be exactly what we want it to be, what we think it should be. We have to trust that God knows what's best for us. If we continue to to look at this story, we would see that God did just what he said he was going to do. The Bible tells us that these three enemy armies, they got confused and ended up attacking and killing each other without Jehoshaphat or his people needing to fight at all. But they were there where God told them to be. They were there and they were ready to do what God had in store for them. All God's people had to do was divide up the plunder. They didn't have to fight because God took care of it just as he said he was going to. Why did God do it this way? I believe that God did it this way to teach us to praise him in faith even before the victory. To praise him even before the battle was won. To praise him even before the battle was even fought. When God makes us a promise... We need to praise him because a promise from God is a sure thing. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up, but I want to share one more verse with you from 2 Chronicles. I want to look at verse 25. It says this. It says, King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. When God wins a victory, there's always plenty of plunder. 
But here's the thing. Earthly battles, they may not have the outcome that we want. The ending may be different. Sometimes it may seem like we haven't won the battle at all. It may feel like that there's no plunder for us because it didn't turn out the way we wanted it to. But the most important promise that God made to us is salvation. And that's why he sent his son Jesus here for us because we all need that. We can't earn that. We can't do We can't do anything to accomplish salvation except to trust in God, to put our faith in Jesus Christ, to accept him as our Lord and Savior. And when we do that, there's a promise of plunder more than we can even imagine, and that's life in heaven forever. If you haven't given your life to Christ, if you haven't chose to accept Jesus as your Savior, to admit that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior, that you need help, let today be the day. Let today be the day that you give your life over to Christ. If you're just in the middle of a battle, you're already a believer. But you're struggling with that battle. You don't know where to go with it. You need help. Come on up. We'll pray with you. We'll take you to the Lord. And Jesus, go answer those prayers for us. God puts people all around us that can help us with those things. That's why we have a church body like this, to be able to share in each other's burdens. So if you need help this morning, you need somebody to pray with you, I'd ask you to come forward as well. <clears throat> so as we sing this morning, I just encourage you all just to take action this morning. Let's stand, let's sing together.